Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. And we confess uh, that we cannot create our faith. Uh, And this is really important to understand what We have an article on faith that we confess, uh, because faith for most people is is an optimistic philosophy on life. You know, even Christians tend to to get faith wrong when they say things like, "Uh, well, all you need is faith. Or if they question when when something bad happens about other people, I I don't know how they could survive without faith. But the reality is everyone has faith. You hear people talking about having faith in the universe or having faith that everything will will work out in the end or faith in all these abstract concepts that they think work. And so faith for most people is in the wrong thing and really rooted in themselves. They'll talk about how they have great faith, they have strong faith, and how their faith got them through whatever difficulty. But ultimately... It is something that they have conjured up, something that they have created. But Jesus shows us something different. First of all, that faith needs an object. Faith needs something to trust in. Faith can't be alone. You can't just have faith. And so for us, the object of our faith is Jesus. And second, that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus. I cannot create faith. Rather, the Holy Ghost, who is sent from Jesus and proceeds from the Father, testifies of Jesus. The Holy Spirit creates faith. It's not my decision to believe in Jesus. It's not by my strength that I'm saved. Because after all, we are dead in trespasses and sins. A dead person can't do anything. A dead person can't make himself believe. By nature, because we're dead, we're also slaves to sin, death, and the devil. We're devoted to the idol of our own self. We have these selfish idols of our own self, and we think that we're strong. In the Old Testament lesson for today, we see what Jesus does when he sends us his Holy Spirit. He says, I will sprinkle purifying water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurity and from all your filthy idols. Then I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside of you. I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and will cause you to walk in my statutes, and then you will carefully observe my ordinances. He baptizes us. He sprinkles on us purifying water. He gives us a new heart. He replaces our dead heart with a heart that's alive. 
I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, but the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word, through the word of God, and by the word of God, the Holy Spirit creates faith in my heart. And we have to start with this understanding of faith because uh, that, that it is not by my own abilities or strength because otherwise we will have a drastically overestimated, uh, uh, we will have drastically overestimated our abilities or strength. Just a few days ago, I opened my grandfather's Blue Jacket manual from 1943 from his service in uh, World War II and the Navy. Uh, and if you think I did this because it was Memorial Day weekend, you think too highly of me. Uh, it was just sitting on my shelf uh, collecting dust, and I, I was curious about it, so I grabbed it. Um, but I opened to a, a chapter on knowledge, and I was surprised by the parallels. It, it said that inaccurate knowledge is worse than no knowledge at all. A man with no knowledge of how something should be done may try to overhaul an engine, and he'll spread grease and dirt around the shop, take many tries, and spend much time and energy reassembling but conscious of his lack of knowledge, he will take care to check everything and laboriously produce a finished, though untried, job. Such a man would probably also ask a skilled man to check his work for him, to want somebody to counsel him. On the other hand, someone who merely thinks they know how to do it, uh, who overestimates their knowledge, will barge ahead and and overhaul an engine, and, it will, and they'll turn out an apparently finished job, but with incorrect clearances or adjustments. And trying to operate this engine would result in complete and irreparable damage and danger. So the same is true of faith. And believing if we have something to do with it, or if we are completely and utterly void, and we need someone to help, and counsel us. Jesus prophesies in our gospel lesson that rough seas are ahead for us. He says they will put you out of the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who murders you will think he is offering a service to God. You know, this has always been happening, but this is becoming more and more transparent in our day. You know how different groups don't even hide the, try to fact anymore, uh, try to hide the fact anymore that their goal is to shut down churches, to close churches, and destroy our faith. You know, you hear people talking about how, how they're on the right side of history and, and they need to get rid of all these institutions that, that are implicit in whatever cultural uh, and modern sins. And, and they're convinced that, that anything they do, history will justify even if they terrorize, steal, disobey lawful authorities, or even kill babies. But they're on the right side of history. They think they are good. They think they are offering a service, uh, or that word in Greek is liturgy, that they're offering a liturgy to God if they, by their works, can do these things, if they destroy the church. If your faith is in yourself, and then the huge waves from the flood of life bat you around the contradicting worldviews in our society, the evil uh, in the world due to sin, the temptations of your own sinful flesh. If the source and strength, if the source and anchor are both you, well, good luck. Faith in itself will not get you through anything. 
So yeah, it, it is actually harder maybe to, believe, to be a Christian now than it was 30 years ago. But it's also clear what is of God and what is true and what is not. So maybe 30 years ago, you could, be afford, you could afford to be lackadaisical uh, in your church attendance. You could afford to take off for the summer. You could ignore your responsibility in the home uh, in teaching your kids the faith because the culture is still pretty, pretty friendly to Christianity. Well, that wasn't really ever the case or else we wouldn't be here today. So all the more reason then to take your faith seriously now. Jesus tells us these things, so he says, so that you will not fall away. God uses open wickedness to wake us up. There's a reason God had to harden Pharaoh's heart in the Old Testament. Because otherwise the Israelites would, would maybe not have wanted to leave Egypt. But for their own eternal well-being, they needed to leave. They were not strong enough. You know, we confuse strength and weakness. True strength shows itself in adversity, in difficulty, in temptation. I heard a pastor commenting on this uh, just this past week on a podcast I listened to, and he said that people will often say they have a strong faith as an excuse to, to engage in otherwise uh, harmful or stupid things. You know, he said, I, I can watch this R-rated movie or worse because I'm mature enough, I'm, my faith is strong enough to handle this filth. Or I can engage in this or that sexual sin. Or, or I cannot come to church because my faith is strong enough. And he said, well, if I put dog poop on your plate uh, at dinner, and would you say that you're mature enough to eat it? Maturity, strength does not just do whatever. Strength, maturity, knows what is harmful and stupid and stays away from it. A toddler doesn't know any better, and so in weakness, we'll eat anything. And I know. <laughs> we need to realize how deficient we are in our knowledge, our strength, our sense, and our sight, so that we hear the Word of God, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, and find our strength in Jesus. Sometimes, like the Israelites, that may mean retreating. It may mean retreating to someplace safe. The Holy Spirit has gathered us into such a place, the Holy Christian Church. And so, because we are not strong, we do need then to have discipline or self-control, as Peter says in our epistle lesson. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. My, father's, uh, my grandfather's blue jacket manual uh, the next chapter was on discipline or self-control. And it described the effect of discipline. It said that a body of men which has good discipline is not subject to panic. It will preserve its order under violent shock and under conditions of great stress. It will move as a unit. But it said this can only happen if discipline is made a habit. And you subject yourself to good order during times of peace. It said discipline cannot be, be put on and taken off at will like a garment. Discipline needs to be a habit, continually worn. And this is why God, this is how and why God serves us in the divine service. This is our liturgy. Our liturgy is completely different from the world's. 
the world's liturgy, at least in their minds, is directed upwards. They think they offer God a service by their own goodness and works and faith. But we know that we have nothing to offer God. Rather, we have everything to be gained by God serving us. The church's liturgy then needs to be a habit. And and Christ's righteousness given through word and sacrament, a garment continually worn. This is why discipline is so necessary. It gives us strength. Not in the sense that that we've hung in there, we've done it, uh, we're so tough, we haven't given up, we're so clever, and, and so on. But a strength which is outside of us, a strength that God has brought us here. That God still preserves us. That the Holy Ghost has called and gathered the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. The persecutions of this world against the gospel and against you, against you, the Christian church, who are, you who are a disciple of Jesus, will only continue to get worse, as Jesus himself prophesied. But Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit the Counselor, the Comforter, to be with us uh, in these times of stress, not only in times of peace when things are going well, but in times of stress when the floods are overwhelming us. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that when their time comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And notice here, God doesn't give us the strength to overcome persecution, but the strength to endure persecution. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, to communicate comfort. Not the comfort that we won't be persecuted or killed, but that the comfort that while the world is persecuting or killing you, you have Christ. The Holy Spirit causes us to remember our Savior who has already given His life so that we may not die forever. The Holy Spirit reminds you through your faith that all you need is not faith, but Jesus. And through his word and sacraments, that's what you have. Through the liturgy of his word and sacraments, the Holy Ghost clothes you in the garments of Jesus. And he will strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.